Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. This is Sudden Death, the show that takes you suddenly inside the deepest aspects of the universe. That's right, the universe. We get international and intergalactic here. I'm Rashawn Merle, and there's another guy named Alex Riddle. Uh, he's over there. Hello. And uh, then there's you. You can get involved in the show, too, if you so desire. We can uh, talk to each other if you call in at 7 By the way, Rashawn was three. just pointing very aggressively. I'm giving the phone the- number here, if you don't mind. Do you mind? Lots of gesturing going on. <laughs> okay. So, as I was saying before, I was so riddly interrupted. You can call in at 773. <laughs> I can never get through this phone number part. 773-897-6182. You can contact us via Twitter. That's at Sudden Depth Show on Twitter. Or check us out on Facebook, too. Facebook.com slash Sudden Depth Show. Sudden Death Show or Sudden Depth Show. Either one will take you there. I think I could be wrong. Don't quote me on that. Now, um, there's a lot of hiring going on in the world today, especially in this here part of the world. In fact, Alex, you've hired people, haven't you? Um, I guess. Yes. Why are you saying that? Well, for example, you have a, a band of some sort, right? Oh, yeah. And it's up to you to find a merry marauding group. They're basically my, uh, my employees. <laughs> now, how do you go about tr- deciding who's good enough to be in your band? Um, I, uh, I would say I basically have two criteria. Um, first one is how good are you at what I need you to do? And um, the second uh, criterion is um, do we get along, a.k.a. Do I, can I tolerate you? So you've got your own version of, uh, you know, The Apprentice going on over there when you decide, uh, you know, it's about the chemistry and the Pretty much. talentry. Yeah. <laughs> and, then, and then you decide which of these characters is best suited for the job. Is that uh, pretty much it? Well, that's about it. Well, <laughs> that uh, that's, uh, reminds me as I so smoothly segue from that topic to the next topic, of a president-elect uh, named Donald John Trump. He, like you, Alex, is looking for people with good chemistry and good talent at what they do to fill certain cabinet positions. Isn't that nice? It's, you're basically the president-elect. That's what you basically are. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I'm sure you've heard that quite a bit. And it just so happens that the Washington Post, that's right, the Washington Post, your favorite liberal news operation on print and mine, has come up with a list, a very easy-to-use list, of just who Donald Trump has been floating in Trump's cabinet. Um, Floating. I I don't find that word particularly amusing, but uh, to each his own, I suppose. Um, So they they have a nice list of 15 cabinet departments and who's been filled and who's been not filled. What are you giggling about now? Is All it? right, sorry, just, just keep talking. <laughs> I feel like this is like a eighth grade or something. Filled and not filled in these cabinet positions. And in a certain position, <laughs> this would not be the depth part of the sudden depth, by the way. This would be the opposite of that. This would be the very shallow uh, interpretation of these words. Mm-hmm. Um, by the way, um, Alex was a, a linguistics major in in college, so we, we call him Lenny P. Linguist Lips around here. Um, it's, he's very commonly known by that name. and uh, It's very common. And then you'll see people um, amazed at the way he takes words that aren't supposed to mean one thing and turn them into the different meaning that they weren't intending. So I'm sure you'll see a lot of that throughout the program, the show, if you will. Now, just one more way I'm like Donald Trump. 
yeah. Well, yes, he he and his surrogates have been saying to not take him seriously uh, or to take him seriously, but not literally. Um, but journalists take him literally, but not seriously or something to that effect. So, you know, we never quite know which words of his were supposed to mean the thing that they actually mean. Like when, you know, he says he's going to deport 11 million illegal immigrants. Does that mean put them on a bus and take them out of the country? Or does it mean keep them in the country? It could mean either of those things in Donald Trump's head because we're supposed to take him seriously, but not literally, you see. (laughs) So um, someone who might have some say and who gets deported and who doesn't get deported is Jeff Sessions. Jeff Sessions, you see, is the Alabama senator who has been chosen as the attorney general nominee uh, for Donald Trump. Um, has a very thick Southern accent. Um, you know, Alex Riddle back in the day, by the way, had a very thick Southern accent. Why don't you show the people a bit of your, your thick Southern accent? Oh, hello. <laughs> no. This is my very <laughs> thick Southern accent. <laughs> I think you've got an accent mixed up there. I didn't mean the, the south of the UK. I meant southern. You bit. know, you get older, your accents just all mixed together. <laughs> I, I'm not sure that's actually a thing. But uh, regardless, trust me, folks, A-Rids over here has a very thick southern accent. And uh, one of these days, hopefully you'll get to see it or hear it, as it were. However, since his work, I'm not really sure. Um, so, uh, Jeffrey Beauregard Sessions. Uh, by the way, you know you're a Southern person when your middle name is Beauregard. Um, so uh, he's going to run up the Department of Justice. Uh, supposedly, he will be the Attorney General pending Senate confirmation. Um, he's had uh, some uh, questionable comments that he's allegedly made in the past. But, uh, you know, we let bygones be bygones around here, don't we, Alex? Uh, 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 yeah. Take that as a yes, folks. That's that's Riddleese for yes. Um, by the way, when he says A E I O U, that means no. Um, and when he says E I E I O, that means maybe. We got to get our Riddleese straight here. Ah means yes. A E I O U means no. And if he sings the the bingo song, then uh, that means possibly, but not with a hundred degree of certitude. Um, so those are your four your four Riddleese trans. So get that in your head. Got to know these things. You got to know these things. Got to know them all. Um, so uh, Jeff Sessions has some questionable comments about uh, the KKK and, uh, you know, obviously black people. But he was one of the only Republicans, Alex, as you know, who uh, voted to confirm your favorite attorney general and not mine, Eric Holder, i.e. the first black oh, AG in the look, country. Would you look at that? <laughs> well, it already happened, so I can't really look at it now unless you show me a video of it. So it's not really possible. Wow. Sorry about that. Um, so he's in the running. He was one of the earliest Senate supporters of Donald Trump. Um, and so he's got this thing about loyalty. So let me ask you, A-Rid, is uh, how big is loyalty a consideration when you hire uh, people to play in your band? Um, well, let me think. Loyalty is uh, relevant, but it is not decisive. Why do you say that? Um, Because I don't expect anyone to be loyal um, at this point. Because generally, uh, generally these aren't people I've known. And uh, like, I'm not in the same position as Donald Trump on this. So, but do you think Donald Trump needs to be in a position where he's looking for loyal people too? Um, what I said is I'm not necessarily looking for loyal people. And what I, I ask is, is, should Donald Trump be looking for loyal people? Yeah. Um, right. So, uh, I guess, yeah, probably. I mean, you don't want to be, uh, um, this, I guess you could see as a sub case of, uh, my uh, previous people I can get along with. Right. Um, this is a more extreme and specific version of that. Uh, well, people who will do your bidding, right? Yes. However, when it comes to the search for Secretary of State, there's been a big question about whether loyalty should be the number one issue in picking that position, or should it be competence? Should that be the overriding factor? You see, Mayor Rudy Giuliani, the former mayor of New York, he is a very loyal Trump supporter, has been since day one. 
Um, however, he doesn't have uh, extensive foreign policy experience, number one. And number two, uh, he, some say, has a bit of a temperament issue. is known to flare up at unexpected times. Kind of like... Uh, That's what I like in a Secretary of State. <laughs> kind of like what? <laughs> well, you know what? Um, I'm going to leave it at that. Uh, but then there are, right. uh, there are other people out there, like uh, former... Massachusetts Governor Mitt Romney. You remember Mitt Romney, right? The the penguin walking guy with the, the hair. Like, never oh, yeah. That guy. Yeah. Um, he's seen as more competent, but uh, he went and savaged Donald Trump during the presidential primaries. Oh, can't do that. Some might say more so than Barack Obama himself. Called him a fraud. Called him a phony. Said that Trump would get a trip to the White House and the rest of us would get stuck with a lousy hat. Um, by the way, that's a zinger if, ever, if I've ever heard one in my life. Now, between those two, you know, you got the battle between loyalty and competence. Which way do you go if you're Donald Trump choosing Secretary of State? Um, me, I, I don't know. It's kind of hard to predict what he's going to do based on... Uh, what should he do? The, like... Uh, I don't know. <laughs> by the way... That is also not the depth part of sudden depth. The, the opposite well, of that. Um, I mean, you want someone who's going to keep your policies intact, but you also want someone who is going to be extremely competent, right? Yes, but uh, so goes back to my band thing. Remember, <laughs> you were asking me about that. I remember. <laughs> well, um, I bet America remembers too. Um, but that really is the big dilemma here. If you, do you go with the, the really loyal guy who uh, isn't necessarily qualified based on his experience and is hot-headed and, and kind of uh, not necessarily measured, or do you go with uh, the even-tempered Mitt Romney whose loyalty is questionable at best? Um, and that's another consideration with Ben Carson, who recently was named as the Housing and Urban Development Secretary nominee. Now, Ben Carson, of course, is a world-renowned neurosurgeon. And keep in mind, I don't really know what the word renowned means. But um, for the purposes of argument, we'll just use it anyway. Uh, he's very well respected in the medical field, at the very least. And, you know, separated Siamese twins, did um, all kinds of incredible brain surgeries. But he's been tapped as the HUD secretary Um how good do you think a, a, a brain surgeon could do like Ben Carson is very even tempered as HUD secretary? I mean, his qualifications, he says, is that he grew up in the inner cities of Detroit. Is that good enough uh, in a position like that? Uh, for me, no, obviously not. That's no qualification at all, really. But um, he's loyal. That, all, all that means is you'll have a very, uh, you know, just a very particular personal bias. Um towards the work that you're doing a bias toward the work that you're doing. Yeah. Uh, you'll have, you'll be bringing prejudice into your own personal prejudice into your job. Um, would you say personal experience as opposed to prejudice or like how was prejudice affect the way he I, handles that? job? I'm, I'm saying your experiences will, will have given you a particular view about this, right? Yes. Um, so that probably, um, I mean, assume as far as uh, we're assuming that's his only qualification is um, what I'm saying is all that by itself, all that provides is a very personal filter, prejudice, bias for looking at this kind of work. And why is that not sufficient for this kind of work? I mean, if you're because prejudice is not a qualification. No, that's but, what I'm trying to but say. You can... <laughs> I'm not sure what is confusing about that because you answered the question that I asked with the question that I asked. Uh, so like the question is, why is that not sufficient? Uh, having experiences living in the urban uh, parts of America, why is that not sufficient to run policy for those parts of America? Um, I'm, I'm saying, well, I'm saying because it's only a prejudice. That's all it is. That's all it's going to give you. And in addition, there's a, there's a there's no substantive like administrative like uh, experience um, involved there. Like there's nothing there's nothing on the actual uh, 
side of do, doing this work. That's just, it's just being the recipient, not the administrator. So Ben Carson would say that, uh, you know, and he did say this when he ran for president as the ultimate administrator, that he was in charge of brain surgeons at John Ho- Johns Hopkins and elsewhere and had to direct a team of people to conduct very complicated and complex surgeries on people's brains. Doesn't that give him the administrative experience that would help him in the HUD secretary job? Um, probably not, because, frankly, he was probably dealing with far more intelligent people. So I'm just going to leave it at that. <laughs> I, 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 wow. That's, uh, that's, uh, you heard it here first, folks. Uh, people who live in the urban parts of America are stupid, according to Alex Riddle. <clears throat> that's uh, a direct quote, and uh, you heard it from him first. I mean, <laughs> um, now who is running uh, Health and Human Services is Tom Price. He's a, a congressman from Georgia. He's really big on this Obamacare repeal bill. First of all, um, do you feel that, uh, you know, what are your thoughts on the Obamacare repeal efforts in, in, because, you know, there are people who have signed up who are, let's say 25 and unemployed and spend all day in their apartment. Uh, people like that, uh, they don't necessarily have uh, health care from their employers because they don't have employers. So some of them use Obamacare and, um, use these subsidies from the federal government, i.e. the taxpayer to, to, Make them all well again. Um, were you one of the big uh, proponents for repeal or one of the opposite of those people? Um, I say repeal. Um, and what about those who are uh, on Obama now? What happens to them if you repeal it? Uh, they'll have to get different health insurance. <laughs> um, yes, but they can't afford it. Uh, that's, that's the big issue here. Um, so there's two plans um, in the Republican House, one to repeal and kick them off right away and then, you know, come up with some replacement plan down the line or incrementally over the course of the next three years. And another uh, school of thought among the GOP, the, the GOP, if you will, that says, well, you can repeal it, but leave a transition period on for people who are 25 and unemployed and spend all day in their apartments doing who knows what. Um, between the time you repeal it and the time you make a replacement plan because replacement is going to take a while. Um, the problem with that, of course, is that uh, you have more people on the Obamacare rolls by the time you actually do uh, take them off the transitionary period. Uh, so I'm not quite sure which way the GOP is going to go, but which place should they go? That, that was for you, by the way. Man, That's your question. I, yeah, this is, I didn't realize this was an interview of me. Which way should they go, Rashawn? <laughs> Wait a minute. I just asked you that question. Um, you know, theoretically, they should just uh, stop at cold turkey because uh, that's what he ran on. And that's um, what the GOP has been trying to do for the past six years, 20 in the past. But uh, I can see didn't. the signs now. Stop Obamacare, cold turkey. <laughs> <laughs> Comparing it to heroin. (laughs) (laughs) That's uh, not the best campaign slogan for repeal of Obamacare, but, uh, I mean, that's the real problem that people are facing who are unemployed in 2020. So you you think that uh, if if we have a transition period, there will be uh, people coming out in increased numbers and enrolling in Obamacare, even though um, it would be at that point public knowledge that it's going to be repealed? Well, it will have already been repealed at that point, but it will be taken away from them, sure. But people need sure. health insurance in the meantime. And the, some would say it would take two to three years to implement this new replacement plan. And mm-hmm. people are going to get sick in the intervening two to three years. And so they'll be uh, signing up for Obamacare. And what about those people? Because at that point, you'll have instead of 20 million people on Obamacare, you'll have maybe 30 million people on Obamacare. And then you'll have this larger group of people who are dependent on government for their health care, and then um, they'll be taken off at some point uh, for the free market ideas of the GOP. So that mm-hmm. goes back to the question. The um, uh, health insurance uh, in, in the free market gets canceled all the time. So like, that's something a lot of people have had to deal with, and uh, um, it's not the end of the world. <laughs> well, 
I mean, that depends on your situation. It could be the end of the world, literally, in that you are no longer in the world because you are not alive. Um, yeah, you know. but I mean, you it, get, it gets canceled, and, and then like you get a notice, and then it's canceled in like three months. So you have like three months to buy health insurance, and you know something like that. You'd know in advance when your Obamacare is gonna end. So. So you're all for uh, the transition period and, and uh, when it's when I'm it's not when, against it. Um, I don't think it would be question, correct obviously. to say I'm all for it. <laughs> well, how for it are you? Uh, willing to consider it. <laughs> okay. Uh, that's good because it's going to be considered and there's going to be a big fight in the house. And, you know, you're going to be up many a night uh, watching C-SPAN because uh, – that's going to be where the action happens the next two years, but between now and the midterms. Well, I mean, that's where the action always is. So There and C-SPAN, too. Don't forget about C-SPAN, too. Don't forget C-SPAN, too. Um, now we've got uh, a couple of big wigs, fancy-schmancy rich people who are running the Treasury Department. And uh, you may or may not know, but you're going to know now, that uh, our very own Alex Real, he is a math major, or was, or whatever the verb there should be. Um, and he studied slash studies numbers and stuff. And so this next uh, secretary pick is going to really tickle his fancy as if his fancy needs any more tickling um, at this point. It's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's pretty well tickled um, from what I've just said. Um, but now we've got the treasury secretary, Steve Mnuchin, who probably has, a continent too many in his last name, but there it is. Steve Mnuchin, uh, treasury secretary. He, he's a big, um, rich guy. Um, how big, <laughs> um, he's so big. He's the opposite of small. All right. Wow. Try the veal. Okay. So, uh, he was a, a, a former Goldman Sachs executive and uh, a big time investor. Um, he doesn't have any government experience. Um, but you know, his treasury experience uh, may be sufficient, uh, says Donald Trump, in order to uh, actually run this department. Um, so I would think that in this particular position, you know, Donald Trump's been getting a lot of criticism by the lame stream media, as some call it, about uh, the way that he is picking these people because just they've got, uh, they've got so much uh, investment banking experience and, and uh, they're Goldman Sachs guys and they um, are, you know, not necessarily the, the populist type people who are farmers in Iowa who voted for Donald Trump because of his working class message. Um, they're rich folk, in other words. They're the Mitt Romneys of uh, <laughs> cabinet picks. Um, I would think that you'd want someone, as Donald Trump has said, who is actually good with uh, money and knows how to handle money and things that, of that nature. He's getting some flack Someone qualified. Right. And this goes to the idea of draining the swamp, you see. Uh, there's a, a hashtag that's been going around ever since Donald Trump won the election, or shortly before that, when he was campaigning on draining the swamp, getting rid of the insiders in Washington, D.C. And here he goes bringing a big-time insider into the administration. Um, does uh, bringing someone like that in sound rather swampy to you? Is that uh, just because he's a Goldman Sachs guy? Is that not very popular? Just because he's affiliated with Goldman Sachs? That's right. Um, the I mean, the ha, picking a populist cabinet would just be uh, like, I don't even know what that would entail, you know? And I, I don't think a Goldman Sachs affiliation uh, disqualifies you, of course. I mean... Um, you know, I'm I'm not going to say that uh, Goldman Sachs and is like a you know just a shining example of what every uh, business should aspire to. Um, what is it a shining example of? Um, the uh, pro- I would say Goldman Sachs is probably a shining example of uh, you know exploiting. Uh, all the rules that there are, <laughs> all the okay. all the regulations that the government uh, and the loophole enforces. Don't loopholes. forget the loopholes. Yeah, yeah. In order to, um, you know, in order to deliver value to your clientele and your shareholders. So gr- they're great at that. Um, 
I'm not, but I'm not gonna pretend that, uh, you know, in my ideal world, <laughs> Goldman Sachs runs the show. I don't think that's my ideal world. So that begs the question: Who does run the show in your ideal world? Um, well, uh, Steve Mnuchin. <laughs> um, so anyway, what point being here? Uh, um, that doesn't that does not uh, disqualify him. But uh, I mean, what would who do the, who would the populist want as Secretary of the Treasury? Treasury Mike Huckabee, or somebody, <laughs> like um, who? who? <laughs> well, uh, probably the people who have been running the Treasury during this administration, like the Timothy Geithners and the Jack Lews. Although I think there might be some questions about some of those guys too. You know, I've got Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders jumping up and down about uh, these people's ties to Wall Street, but uh, you know, double dutching about it. Well, yes. Um, and there's some hopscotch going on, too. Um, so I think that, you know, surprisingly spry for elderly, especially Bernie Sanders, man, that's uh, I'd like to see him do some hopscotch. That that would be um, fascinating. The physics of it and uh, the comedy of it as well. Uh, um, <laughs> we've got to stop the bill. your nails, something like that. Right. Oh, man, if, if only y'all could have been here to see that <laughs> or, or not either one. Um, so, you know, someone like Steve Mnuchin, though, um, it'll be interesting to see how, what he does with things like, um, the tax rate, you know, there's a big push for tax reform. I know you've been, uh, hollering and screaming about your tax rate, uh, personally <laughs> for a long time. Um, ever since I met you, you're like, uh, this top marginal tax rate has got to change post haste. That's what you usually say when i is that so yeah it is so yeah uh, i'm a i'm definitely a proponent of uh you know rewriting the tax code do you have a particular style that you like um of of tax reform do you like the the idea of a flat tax or or fair tax or how about uh something else i'm a uh you know i don't i don't i'm not gonna act like i know enough uh, to be able to you the math major to be able to talk yeah talk about uh, which one is best but um, what I what I think is definitely uh, taxes uh, should be minimized that's uh, you know from a pragmatic perspective uh, you know you need to put um, give people all them like so so that you you know your uh, your income has meaning you know otherwise it's like uh, you know, when, when I was uh, pulling a paycheck, um, you know, there's this one number and I was like, well, that's, you know, that's not even, that's not the number that I'm going to get. It's going to be some far uh, smaller number, um, which is taking away the meaning as um, of the whole thing. And also it's taking away my, uh, you know, the contribution to my personal wealth, which means uh, I'm going to be spending less money. By the way, for the record, I was hoping you were going to pretend you knew enough about tax policy to spout about it. So that was disappointing for me personally. Yeah, well, but um, so pragmatically, uh, you know, people need to make more money so that they can spend more money, which stimulates the economy. But um, the the other reason is uh, a philosophical thing, uh, which is I was sort of hinting at what um which is uh like tax if levied at all should be levied on consumption i think um the income tax i think is uh isn't that what the fancy fancy that taxes the value added tax isn't that a form of a consumption tax where you tax on how much you buy as opposed to how much you make um yeah i believe that is is the case that's the a European model of taxation, and that VAT tax is sky high over there. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm not sure how much that would stimulate economic growth if you still got the income tax going on, right? If you still got the income tax? That's right. Still got the income tax. Right. So uh, income tax needs to, I think, at, at least at a federal level, um, definitely income tax should leave. If, if states want to levy uh, income taxes, you know, because you can always, uh, you know, your citizenship is valid throughout the 50 states so you can always leave your state <laughs> but uh um you know get get a job elsewhere but uh yeah i think i think 
the income tax is pretty pretty much unconstitutional. But what about the Sixteenth Amendment? And yeah, right. How is it unconstitutional if, if we have the Sixteenth Amendment, which uh, created the income tax? Right. I mean, like you know that for uh, um, you know hundred twenty years or whatever, it was unconstitutional. And so I, oh, I yeah. think I think it should have. We should go back to that. I see. Go back to the <laughs> the good old days. I, and I'm I'm just saying federal income tax should be unconstitutional. Right. Um, now Donald Trump has said that he wants to, uh, in order to keep jobs in the U.S., which I know you're also a big proponent of, they call you U.S. Jobs Ulysses uh, in certain quarters. Uh, so <laughs> they uh, do Don- they? <laughs> it's very common. That I mean, there's a hashtag out there. Hashtag U.S. Jobs Ulysses. It's all over the place. So. Um, Donald Trump has kind of two policy prescriptions for keeping jobs in the U.S. One is to create that uh, ideal tax environment that you were hinting about, as you say. And another is to uh, impose a 35% tax slash tariff on companies who start off here and then move their operations overseas and then try to resell their products back into the United States. It's stick method. Now, free market conservatives slash libertarians. <laughs> Again, we're in eighth grade. Free market conservatives and libertarians um, say that that's uh, intruding into no, the... No, just a good metaphor. Okay. Lovely. Uh, that ain't right. That ain't, intruding. Li- that ain't libertarian. Um, you know, there's, there's ain't misbehaving on the one hand, and there's ain't libertarian on the other hand. I believe that was the other song that was followed the ain't misbehaving. Yeah. Uh, yes. Number one hit of uh, 1929. I remember. Vine yeah. Rand. Yeah. yeah. He liked that song a lot. <laughs> Uh, so, uh, you know, personally, I think that you definitely have to have the, the good tax, uh, environment for business to flourish who are here. Um, and I'm not too outraged by the 35% tariff thing. I don't think it's ever going to happen because we have a Republican house and Senate who <laughs> would, uh, right. That, that's the thing. Um, you know, it's, it's almost definitely not going to happen. Um, I mean, but it could though, because it's a, it's a probably a persuasion technique. You've got Democrats, though, who would be on board with that, you would think, um, because they're all about taxes. I know. Isn't that funny? (laughs) Um, Not really. It's interesting funny. Um, So there are Democrats who might go along with some of the more populist Republicans who have found this new populist religion under uh, the incoming Trump era of uh, Republicanism. But uh, the leaders, the Paul Ryans and the Mitch McConnells, they're going to have a hard time swallowing that pill. So, but you know, on principle, um, if you have the, the, the tax, uh, reform, then you can have the 35% tariff as far as I'm concerned. But does that bother you about punishing corporations for making business decisions that uh, help them economically? Um, I mean, yeah, I, I don't, I don't like that very much. The, um, I don't like the switch part of the carrot and switch technique, you know. Let's keep those carrots uh but stick. So what about the people who uh you know, who work in these manufacturing jobs in the Midwest and they lose their jobs to um <clears throat> people of other countries. You know, this uh Donald Trump tweeted, um I know, shocking. He tweeted about uh after he tweeted about his carrier victory where he talked to the head honchos of Carrier and got them to keep uh, around a thousand jobs in the country. He then tweeted about um, another corporation called Rexnord in Indiana, who is also planning to move its jobs to Mexico. And he says, you know, that's not going to happen anymore. And so those 300 people are out of jobs. And so, um, you know, what about those people? When you, move jobs overseas, you know, these people have to actually um, train their Mexican counterparts uh, to do the jobs that they're currently doing in the United States. Isn't that a way to stop that from happening when you punish Rexnord for going out of the country? Because people are going to buy the things that Rexnord makes from other companies who aren't moving their products overseas because obviously when Rexnord gets hit with a 35% tax, if that were to happen, then they pass the the price down to the consumers and those products from Rexnord are more expensive. And so when consumers, you know, go to other corporations who aren't doing that and aren't, don't get hit with a 35% tariff, I mean, those are some of the possible upsides. Are they not of that policy? 
um, that that Rex Nord loses out, that they make less money because uh, yes, because their product is more expensive. Right. Um, so that's I, I don't a disincentive. See... Okay, so that's a disincentive <laughs> for moving their products, um, their operations overseas. Mm-hmm. So if if Rex Nord, okay, so Rex Nord and Riddle Nord, Rid Nord, Alex Nord. There you go. Got it. Alex Nord. Rex Nord and Alex Nord um, both manufacture the same widget. Uh, moves its operations over to Mexico, whereas Alex Nord keeps its operations here. Mm-hmm. Under Donald Trump, Rex Nord gets hit with a 35% tariff on all the products imported back to the U.S. from Mexico. Right. And yeah. so in order to uh, defray those costs, Rex Nord has to pass the cost at a 35% tariff down to the consumer. So its products, its widgets, right. cost more than Alex Nord's does. Yeah. And so yeah. Alex Nord gets all the people who would have gone to Rex Nord if Rex Nord's products weren't so sky-high expensive, you see. And so mm-hmm. Alex Nord gets the benefits of that. And so Rex Nord is punished effectively for moving overseas, where if Rex Nord had not moved overseas, then it would still be competitive with Alex Nord. So that is uh, the argument for this. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I get that. But why is that uh, not a good thing? Why is that the opposite of a good thing? Because you're not comfortable with that. The, um, uh, it's quite the incentive to not move overseas and cause Americans to lose their jobs. Um, right. Yeah. It's, uh, it's definitely an incentive. Uh, that's for sure. But you're not comfortable with that policy you just said. No. Are you, are you comfortable with it? Uh, as I already said, I'm comfortable with it if it's, if it's paired with tax reform that makes it easier to uh, do business in the United States as opposed to overseas. Because, you know, if the corporate tax rate here is 15% as opposed to the 35% that it currently is, I believe, um, mm-hmm. then businesses are not going to want to or need to feel the need to move overseas in the first place because – the 15% tax rate is lower than some places in other parts of the world. Um, mm-hmm. So if you have the tax reform and you couple it with the, the stick part, the, you know, while that's not necessarily the most free market approach, it's, it's fine with me. Why is it not fine with you? Um, the, yeah, I mean, I, I don't, I don't like it very much. Um, the, it, it's very, uh, um, it's very interfery. Um, what about the results? Don't the ends justify the means in this particular situation? Nah, I don't think so. <laughs> but why, Avery? Why is that? I put um, the I put the aspiration. I there, mean, so. if if uh, like the there's maybe versions of it. I could I could maybe be like, okay, we could do that. Like if it has a um, you know, set expiration date where it's like, you know. Uh, can't be renewed or something like that. Um, whereas the tax cuts will continue on longer. Um, but it's sort of a, um, you know, 35% tariff or uh, any large increased uh, tariff. That that sort of thing um, is uh, once you once you have that ball in motion. That's sort of gonna be uh, there's a, there's a good chance it can become the um, you know the uh, you know modus operandi for I like have no idea forever. what that means not a clue the um, mode of operating for a long time so yeah I don't like that well you know any uh, future Congress can renew things or not renew things I mean it's you can't really Mm-hmm. create legislation that can't be renewed, quote unquote, because, you know, two Congresses from now, they could easily renew it by legislation. Yeah, that, that's what I'm saying. So that's why I don't like it. <laughs> Not sure I quite understand, but, uh, you know, we'll leave that out there to, uh, to, sure. to uh, marinate. That's what they say. We'll let that marinate for a bit and ruminate. Um, so that's basically the economic parts of uh, Donald Trump's cabinet um, and the domestic part. But then there's the foreign policy parts. Ooh, foreign policy. Ooh, how, how interesting. You know, Donald Trump is uh, still kind of agonizing over 
Secretary of State as of uh, the date of this recording, but uh, he's got some other people in there um, that uh, are going to help him with the foreign policy. Um, However, the most uh, controversial of those people is this character by the name of Lieutenant General Michael Flynn. Um, This guy is a bit of a hothead, as I kind of uh, alluded to Rudy Giuliani as being, and he has been known to tweet some controversial things. And, you know, I know we're getting into the point where, you know, tweets are you know, something that can sink you or, or, you know, ruin your chances of getting certain jobs. But uh, that is the world we're in, folks. So keep that in mind when you tweet things or post them on social media or uh, things like that, because <laughs> you never know where such things could lead. They could lead to not getting confirmed uh, by the Senate. You know, General Michael Flynn is, um, his job is interesting in that it doesn't require Senate confirmation. It's president appointed job. So, I mean, he's in there. Trump wants him and Trump said he does. He's in there for good, but he, he's got some controversies around him and he's got a son as well. uh, Who's also named Michael Flynn, Michael Flynn Jr. As it were. Um, His son is also a tweeter of controversial things. You've uh, heard of this, Hashtag Pizzagate incident, haven't you? <laughs> what is that? What is, is that a yes or a no? No. Okay, so no is A E I O U, I believe. Tell me. Um, well, here's the, here's the quick rundown. So there's apparently a conspiracy theory um, on conspiracy theory sites like uh, 4chan and Reddit and kind of the uh, dumpster graffiti areas of the internet like that. Um, and one of the conspiracy theories is that this pizza place in Washington, D.C. is supposedly a child sex ring, I believe, where they're supposedly um, taking children and doing terrible sexual things to them in secret tunnels underneath the restaurant. Uh, and so this kind of thing has been floating on the Internet. And Michael Flynn's son, Michael as you guys Flynn, all know, uh, pizza restaurants have secret tunnels underneath them, all of them. In America. Well, <laughs> I mean, that's certainly one view. Um, uh, but it's science. It's a fact. Or, or science is settled. Or ish. So pizza tunnels, y'all. <laughs> yes. Or no. Either one. Um, I would go with the no, but that's just me. This place called Comet Ping Pong is a pizzeria in Washington, D.C. And Comet Ping Pong... Uh, you know, it was the subject of this supposed rumor of a child sex ring and secret tunnels underneath of it. And so these things were spread around on the Internet and got to the Twitter sphere. And his son retweeted several of these conspiracy theorists about uh, this place supposedly having these secret tunnels. And so, you know, this Internet rumor kind of ruminated, whatever that word means, until we got to the point where some uh, whack job an assault rifle and burst into Comet Ping Pong um, the other day and started shooting all over the place, shooting his gun all over the place and demanding that, uh, you know, they stop the child sex ring that didn't exist. Um, you know, no one got injured in that uh, particular incident, uh, fortunately, and the guy eventually, of course, got arrested after quite the standoff, by the way. But, um, you know, this guy, Michael Flynn Jr., was confronted about this by your favorite CNN anchor, not necessarily mine, Jake Tapper, um, and private uh, direct tweets uh, that were revealed to the public by said Michael Flynn Jr. about how this kind of rhetoric and this, this kind of conspiratorial talk could get people killed. And we almost saw that with the Pizzagate thing. Um, and so... Uh, this apparent this guy also is apparently the chief of staff of Michael Flynn, the guy who is Donald Trump's uh, national security advisor. Uh, now, uh, the head of the transition team, who, as you know, is VP like Mike Pence, says that uh, Flynn Jr. doesn't have any influence on the transition team. But, uh, you know, they've got this thing hanging over their head. And so um, this kind of goes back to the question of loyalty versus uh, competence or other considerations is. It's the act of someone's son um, and retweeting this this uh, conspiracy stuff. Does that disqualify uh, the senior Lieutenant General Flynn in your mind? Because uh, it's questionable in mine. 
son's questionable tweets, does that disqualify him? Especially after the the results of some guy shooting the place up. Yeah, I mean, that's uh, it's sketchy, to be sure. But that's as far as you'll go, sketchy. Well, you say it disqualifies the man. Um, you know, I'm not going to say it would disqualify him. I would say it uh, definitely raises questions, though, that are worth pursuing. But they won't be pursued because, as I said, Michael Flynn Sr. doesn't require Senate confirmation. He's in there. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, he's, uh, we can't really get questions out of him if he doesn't feel like answering them. But um, as far as the national security policy goes, I mean, Donald Trump's been kind of uh, on the isolationist side of uh, the, the spectrum on foreign policy. And you're kind of there, too, aren't you? You're kind of the, one of the people who says uh, enough with the interfering in other countries' affairs and stop trying to spread democracy and all that stuff. Mm, yeah, to some degree. And the nation building's got to stop. Uh, well, what about uh, the troops that are left in places all around the world like Japan and South Korea and Germany and places where we're not actively fighting wars? Uh, should we bring those people home, too? Because... Uh, you know, because what, as I was saying, because that costs money, number one. And number two, these countries would complain um, if we withdrew troops from those countries um, and they're our allies. So, but Donald Trump's been saying on the campaign trail or was saying that those people should be coming home because we're wasting money um, keeping those troops there. when We should be building our own country up. I mean, that's basically his philosophy. Mm-hmm. It's America first, he says. If it doesn't affect us directly, then let's stay out of it, of course. The problem with that thinking is um, if you leave the rest of the world um, and stay out of the rest of the world, leave them to their own devices, well, things can kind of uh, flare up in certain regions, like uh, in Syria and Iraq, where ISIS flared up after we withdrew troops from there in 2011. So... Now we have a bigger problem to deal right. with because we didn't keep troops over there. But uh, Trump also says we're going to crush ISIS and, you know, et cetera. <laughs> well, yes, he does. But then if he were to somehow uh, do that successfully, the question then would be after the fact, again, do we leave troops in those, reason, in those regions for the foreseeable future? I mean, that's really what this comes down to. If you... Um, you know, if you spray a house with a uh, raid, for example, to get rid of the ants and the ants leave and then you stop spraying it with raid. Well, after a while, you might have a, an ant problem again. And so you got to keep spraying with raid over and over again. But then, you know, you kind of wear out your raid, you see, <laughs> you don't have any more raid. So that uh, analogy was brought to you by the letter R. R for Rashanalog, which you can listen to, by the way, on blogtalkradio.com slash sudden death show. Um, I have a Rashanalog posted there just for you. But anyway, that's the issue here. Should we leave troops in the world all over the place in hopes of stopping potential um, bad actors, or should we just withdraw everyone and wait for them to flare up in even bigger numbers again? Um, yeah, I, I guess that is a, a key question. Um, the um, I'm, I'm not, I'm not opposed to cost saving measures. Uh, but, um, I, I don't think, you know, sending troops home from Japan, I don't think that's gonna, I don't think that's really what we're talking about here. The, well, that's what Donald Trump has been talking about. Yeah. <clears throat> Things to that effect. But, uh, the, the main issue is the whole, uh, nation building thing. Um, you know, like Iraq, I think. I think people don't like situations like Iraq. I, I think people don't like, uh, uh, you know, Vietnam. Like, that's still a vivid memory for... Um, and uh, those... Uh, I think the, the big failures, uh, failure in those two uh, quarters... Um, yeah, two quarters, sure. Two halves. Um, are <laughs> the, the that's especially a matter of execution. Um, like just totally botched, right? Um, 
Well, they were botched at least with a rack in the going in part, but then the the coming out part too. That was also botched because it was done too early for political considerations. A year before, would you say it was botched coming and going? I would say what I just said actually, and leave it at that because again, Lenny P. Linguist Lips over here likes to take language and twist it and turn it into things that uh, were not intended by the speaker when they were said. So um, what I would say is that you got to be careful both ways. Um, Going and coming. Yeah. Okay. Right. (laughs) So we're agreed. Great. (laughs) Well, and I mean, yes, I, I absolutely agree with you. The, um, I, I, I just think this, uh, the, the policies that we've sort of uh, built up on precedent are um, very uh, dysfunctional. They don't work really well. Um, and I think Iraq is a great example. of. So another way of saying that failure. is we don't win anymore because someone's been saying that on the campaign trail a whole heck of a lot. <laughs> and we're going right. to start winning again and we're going to win so much you're going to get tired of winning. You're going to say, Mr. President, please stop winning. I can't take the winning anymore. But he's going to say, nope, we're going to keep on winning. That's what we're going to do. Trump's surrogate over here. <laughs> they called me surrogate. I can't, do, I can't do the diphthongs <laughs> anymore. Surrogate Shawnee. Oh, man. Mess that up. Um, but so those are the considerations that uh, Michael Flynn and his deputy, Katie McFarland, Fox News contributor, are going to have to consider. Um, mm-hmm. And then there's Mad Dog Mattis, your favorite cabinet pick and possibly mine. Uh, he's a, a general. <laughs> so. Well, possibly. You know, he's, he's a, a, a general who served with aplomb, another word whose meaning I do not know in the Obama administration, and he's got a, a lot of military experience under his belt. Um, he's known as Mad Dog um, by some of his uh, inferiors, you see. Um, and he's probably the pick that most people have agreed upon on both sides of the AISL to this point, to date. He was announced in dramatic fashion during Donald Trump's ongoing thank you tour in which he travels the country basically gloating about his victory to the states that uh, the swing states that helped elect him. And he announced that on the first stop of his tour um, after winning. Um, but the thing about old Mad Dog is, and you'll be interested to hear this, I sure hope because I'm saying it, uh, is that there's this kind of law that was passed back in the late 40s that requires uh, people who served in the military within the past seven years to not uh, be appointed to cabinet secretary positions as far as uh, defense goes. And this guy, Mattis, Mad Dog, he retired three years ago. So Mm -hmm. in order to get this position, he would need a waiver from Congress. Kind of like the waiver you get uh, to, you know, your parents decided to go on a field trip, uh, a waiver just like that. And so um, the nation's parents in Congress would need to sign this waiver in order to, for this guy to get the job. Now, for me, I would say that this uh, possibly is unconstitutional, this law. Um, it's only been used once back in, like, 1950. And, you know, the Constitution gives the president the powers to nominate who he wants, um, and then the Senate has to advise and consent but this law restricts who the president can even choose. And I say that it's unconstitutional. Now, being the constitutional scholar that you are, what would your assessment of that be? Is it unconstitutional to restrict the president's well, choices like that? Why would this be unconstitutional? Um, because of the advise and consent part of the Constitution that allows the president to pick uh, who he wants to uh, for a cabinet position. And then that person should be subject to the advice and consent of the Senate. But this law restricts him from picking uh, defense secretaries, for example, that have been in the military service in the past seven years. So basically what you're saying is uh, we shouldn't make laws to limit uh, or uh, direct the presidential, um, you know, I guess, you know, whims, in this regard well it's not me saying it it's the text of the u.s constitution here's the text of the appointment clause which as you know being the 
the scholar that you are on the Constitution, it is Article 2, Section 2, Clause 2. It's the, the triple twos uh, part of the Constitution. My it says, favorite. he, meaning the president, shall have the power by and with the advice and consent of the Senate to make treaties. Um, and he shall nominate by and with the advice of the consent, uh, shall appoint ambassadors, other public ministers and consuls judges of the Supreme Court, and all other officers of the United States whose appointments are, here, are not here and otherwise provided for and which shall be established by law. Um, but Congress may by law vest the appointment of such inferior officers as they think it proper and the president alone, blah, blah, blah. So this gives the a president the power to nominate people for um, cabinet positions. And then that person must get the advice and consent of the Senate. And this law restricts that nomination power. I say it, it wouldn't hold up in the court of law. Okay, so, so basically um, because they're uh, restricting it in advance, basically, rather than, um, you know, by their uh, specific Yeah, the clause says, he should, I don't know what that word means either. Let's speak English, please. To the thing. <laughs> <laughs> that makes much more sense. Um, it says he shall nominate. And there's the word shall in there. So you can't restrict the shall part because that's what the Constitution says. Uh, so I think this is a bunch of hooey. Uh, but I think it would, he would get the waiver anyway, even though there are some Democrats who are with, got the Trump derangement syndrome who might uh, want to restrict that. Yeah. So that's, um, that's weird. But, you know, Mad Dog is highly regarded by people from both sides of the aisle. So he should on merit get confirmed anyway. Last question. They they just want uh, the reason this law is in place is because there's some sort of principle about uh, civilian control of the military, and uh, like it's a principle thing rather than a yes. Uh, um, it goes back to George Washington. They say that uh, civilians should be the ones calling the shots for the military. Um, so it's basically a, a, a long tradition, and um, you know Donald Trump's not a traditional candidate by any means. Just so you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, finally, you know, Al Gore, the guy we were talking about a bit last week on our The Science Isn't Settled uh, show, which you can also go back and listen to, by the way, on blogtalkradio.com slash sudden depth. He was seen wandering into Trump Tower recently to talk about, quote, climate issues, especially with the, the daughter of Donald Trump, Ivanka Trump. You know, Ivanka Trump is said to be... Gesundheit. Uh, Ivanka Trump is said to be uh, wanting to be the quote-unquote climate czar of the administration. She's going to fulfill some of the uh, traditional first role. words. Well, reporters. Reporters' words. And uh, she's going to fulfill some of these traditional first lady jobs, apparently, because Melania Trump is uh, not that into it, you see. And so Al Gore was going into Trump Tower talking to Ivanka Trump and the Donald himself about... Uh, these cabinet or these the climate change stuff. And let me tell you something right now. If Al Gore gets uh, influence in climate policy, why conservatives are going to have a cow. You want to see a human being have a cow? Then <laughs> allow Al Gore to influence climate policy. That is um, that is startling, is it not? Doesn't it startle you? I mean, uh, why else would he be there? Right, but he shouldn't like, be there at all. The point. Yeah, I mean, but it's it's all it's pretty much definitely for the climate change thing. You know, this Ivanka Trump wants to do the the paid leave stuff, and she wants to do the climate change stuff, and now she's uh, uh-huh. she wants to reach out to liberals and moderates. Uh, I mean, can you believe that? This is kind of uh, outreach. Well, yeah, no, we didn't elect a Republican House and Senate and presidency to do all these liberal things. Uh, I'm just outraged. I'm also outraged that the show is over. That's too bad. So um, we'll do another show next week, and then we'll see you then. Tune Say good night, Alex. Night, Alex. You forgot the Alex.
With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.